Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, guys? We are moving right along with our 2023 opponent preview series with our second show for the AFC West, this time traveling out to the desert and the Las Vegas Raiders and our new friend, Scott Gulbrinson from Silver and Black Today, the podcast, will be joining us to preview uh, these uh, 2023 Raiders and, and talk about the, the the very strange, very odd 2022 uh, that they had that started with so much promise. The uh, hiring, uh, you know, Josh McDaniels and bringing him in, uh, trading for Devontae Adams, uh, making the moves necessary to make themselves look like a team that could make some serious, serious noise, not just in the AFC West, but in the AFC, period. And for it to go so badly, so quickly. Then they had this little resurgence in the middle of the season, only to kind of fall apart again uh, at the end of it, where there was rumblings of a new head coach, and Derek Carr had been benched, and and, and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, they had a very active off season and uh you know we're busy on draft day and, and and everything else so lots to cover uh with scott and uh you know we're talking about the raiders and, and everything they did and didn't do in 2022 and and the the promise of what can be uh in 2023 so you know having a great time doing these shows like i've said a thousand times i love doing these episodes it's, it's my favorite time of year um you know during this off season where uh you know, we're, we're filling the void uh, between the draft and training camp uh, before we can, you know, get in there and hit the ground running with training camp and the preseason and getting this uh, regular season underway. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get the show started. This is episode two of our 2023 AFC West opponent preview series of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the Episode two of our preview through the AFC West takes us out to the desert and the Las Vegas Raiders and here to help us preview this, uh, this 2023 Raiders team and, and what to expect from them. If he even knows actually, cause who knows, uh, with the Raiders year in and year out from the silver and black today podcast, it's Scott Gobranson. Uh, Scott, welcome to the show. Did I nail that last name? Uh, you nailed you nailed the last name, awesome. so there you go. Did I uh, emphasize the syllable correctly? Because I just uh, you you know it it, it happens a- sometimes. Absolutely no, it's it's it, that's what I always tell people. If you break it down by syllable, it's a lot easier uh, because then you know where the you know where the emphasis is. Right. Yeah, that's, that's I never saw that movie, but I saw that in the in the preview, and that's the part that always stuck with me. You put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Um, so yes, absolutely. It was that weird, like Gwyneth Paltrow, I want to be a flight attendant, uh, movie. I couldn't even tell you what it's <laughs> called, but, uh, welcome uh, to the show, Thanks, uh, Scott. And, um, you know, like real quick, we were just talking about it right before we got started, uh, recording. Um, I, I like to ask all my new guests, the, the, the same three questions to kind of get a background, uh, on them. The first one is where are you from? The second one is where are you now? And the third one is your favorite memory as a fan uh, of your uh, silver and black. Sure. Yeah. So for me, uh, I am right. I'm from right there in Chicago. I'm a, I'm a Chicago kid, Northwest suburbs, Park Ridge to be specific parents, all born in Chicago. So nice. I spent a lot of my childhood actually out at Wrigley field, uh, of course, at soldier field, uh, the first version or one of the first versions. I can't, I can't remember how many times it's been remodeled. But nonetheless, uh, so grew up in Chicago, 
uh, early childhood and then uh, ended up growing up in mostly on the West Coast in San Diego, where I was actually a Chargers fan. So I grew up uh, in the heyday of the Chargers in the early 80s, the Dan Fouts, the John Jefferson, uh, Kellen Winslow uh, crew and and the team that was always so good but could never get to the Super Bowl. So I did that and then. And I ended up uh, I ended up going to college in Las Vegas. So that's how I ended up in Las Vegas uh-huh. and lived in Las Vegas actually twice. Um, and the, the Raiders thing is interesting because when I first started the show, uh, the podcast started, I, I founded a website called silverandblacktoday.com. And I have a journalism background. So I was, a, I was a sport, I wanted to be a sports writer again. I was working in corporate PR, but wanted to get back into sports writing. So I founded the website the day the Raiders moved, or excuse me, the day the Raiders were approved to move to Las Vegas, I went out and got a bunch of URLs, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to start a website. So I started doing that, and that led to a podcast. The podcast led to a, a radio show in Las Vegas on CBS Sports Radio, and then later with Raider Nation Radio, which is the flagship for the team now. And so that's how I got into it. So I, I did not grow up a Raiders fan, and I'm not a Raiders fan per se. I'm a, I always say I'm a fan of the Raiders doing well. Now, you can imagine when I first started my show – I had a lot of Raider fans who would give me holy hell because they're like, you're, you're a Charger fan. I said, no, I'm not a Charger fan any longer because after about 2012, 2013, it was becoming evident the Chargers were going to move out of San Diego, and that was my connection with San Diego. It wasn't sure. so much the Chargers. And so I was done at that point. And then when I got back into the journalism realm, um, for me, having gone through journalism school, objectivity is key. So for me to do a Raider site was better because I was objective. I looked at it as a business opportunity. Although my wife was born and raised in Las Vegas, my, uh, my I have kids born in Las Vegas, the whole thing. I have great friends. And I, as I said, I went to college there. So that's sort of how the Raider thing came about. And here we are seven years later, still doing it, being uh, proud to be the, the Raiders podcast on the Odyssey Network uh, through 2400 sports. So, so that's kind of been my journey, uh, and, and how we got into, uh, Raider nation. And, uh, now it's much different. They know me and we produce great shows. And so, uh, they're great folks and a great fan base. All right. You guys get all that. That was, uh, that was a mouthful. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Chicago by way of actually you're, you said you're in Ohio now, right? Now I'm in, yeah. Cincinnati. We moved to we moved to the Cincinnati area. So, yeah, so I'm doing a, a podcast. My partner and I, who is Mo Moten, who's a, a, a national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, mm-hmm. he's actually in New York City, and I'm in Cincinnati, and we do a Raiders podcast. Well, you know what? When I started, I've been doing the podcast since 2007, and I mm-hmm. started doing interviews in 2015. And, mm. it's, and the reason that I asked the three questions is because number one and number two are never the same. Where where yeah. are you from? Where are you now? Um, you know, like I, I just did, you know, my Raiders episode and, or excuse me, my Broncos episode. My Broncos gal mm-hmm. lives in South Carolina. Uh, the very first Raiders, or excuse me, I keep saying Raiders. The very first Steelers episode I did, he lived in Colorado. And, you know, so on and wow. so forth like that. So it was, it's, it's always been the exception, not the norm, that the person that I was talking to was actually in the market that they represent. So the fact that Mo lives in New York and does a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, that's normal for me in my experience. Yes. Like you're, you're never in the market that you're actually, uh, you know, either rooting for or representing or, or, or what have you. So it's, it's not strange at all. That the you know the the silver and black today guy lives in Cincinnati. It's like that's actually normal uh, for me. So. Yeah, and it's it, it it it's also interesting, Larry, because I'll tell you that's the great thing. You know, I've done I've done a lot of commercial radio, right? Mm-hmm. But the podcasting revolution and and what podcasting has allowed us to do because of the technology and the ability for us right. yeah. to cover teams. Of course, of course, the NFL is the most covered sport in America, so so it's easy to get information. But it, it's phenomenal, and I think for me it was nice because. When we started Silver and Black today, I was in Las Vegas, right? So I was there for the entire construction of the stadium. We shot we shot drone videos, which you can find on our YouTube channel. We did all sorts of things. So we were there for all of the kind of priming for the team to get there. And then, of course, I was there for the, the first season uh, that they were in the stadium. Unfortunately, there were no fans there because of COVID. Right. But um, it's nice to have that basis because I was able to get for, – for me, at least, it was nice because I got to know uh, the team personnel – 
the PR staff there and all that stuff since, since I was doing radio at the time as well. So it, it was nice from that perspective. But you're right. That's what's so great about the podcasting is if you have a passion for a team or you want to cover a team, you can do it from anywhere nowadays where, geez, 25 years ago, it just wouldn't have been possible. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I when, when I when I, you know, regale people with my history in this podcasting uh, game, it dates mm-hmm. back to when the podcast, the word itself didn't exist at the time. Right. My, my buddy and I were still calling them radio shows when we did our first podcast back in 04. <laughs> so, you know, we were still calling it a radio show uh, back then. So, I mean, the iPods existed just barely in 2004, yep. but there was no such thing as a podcast uh, at the time. So it was, uh, or at least the phrase itself didn't exist. So it's uh, it's been a thing, and, and, you know, and now they have equipment, which I'm using as we speak, specifically for podcasting. Like I have a roadcaster and... You know, mm-hmm. the, the microphones are a lot cheaper than they used to be. I mean, my very first microphone, I spent like $90. It was this a little sure, uh, you know, handheld uh, mic thing that I got from Best Buy. I still have it, but it's it's beat to hell and nearly 20 years old uh, at this point. So, yeah. You know. Well, and that, that ro- I, I'm a roadcaster guy, too, and that thing has changed everything. And, in fact, oh. it's changed so much that yeah. most commercial radio stations now – instead of spending $10,000 on these remote units, that's what they use now because yeah. all you need is an internet connection and you're ready to go and it's broadcast quality. So, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's been an interesting journey and you've certainly been on it for a long time and uh, it's, it's great for all of us. So let's talk about these Raiders and uh, you know, 2022 uh, was a season that held a lot of promise for everybody uh, in the AFC mm-hmm. West. You had, you know, especially with the Russell Wilson trade, Everybody in the division had a marquee uh, quarterback. You know, Wilson for the Broncos, Carr for the Raiders. Obviously, you have Mahomes and, and Herbert in, in L.A. and Kansas City, respectively. So it was going to literally be the Wild West in the AFC West, uh, you know, last year. And, you know, bringing in Josh McDaniels, um, you, the, the new general manager whose name is escaping me uh, at the moment. Dave Ziegler. There you go. <laughs> and, you know, letting go uh, – Biasaccia and, and uh, you know, uh, after he took over for Gruden and, and got the, the Raiders to the playoffs and uh, and all that kind of thing. But it's just like, you know, here's McDaniels, his, his next shot. He's waited a long time for this. He's coming in. He's got, you know, Devontae Adams to go along with David Carr. The, the college teammates were all excited uh, and ready to go and, and, and hyped up and, uh, and everything. And the first five weeks really could not have gone any worse than they did as far as the actual results, because the, you know, the chargers game was more, uh, you know, it wasn't one score game, but it was one where the chargers jumped out ahead early. The Raiders were playing from behind from the beginning, the Cardinals game. I mean, did that not make you sick watching the way that one uh, ended? You know, your comeback got cut short against the Titans you finally beat the, you know, you get a win week four. You beat up on the uh, on the Broncos, but everybody was beating up on the Broncos uh, last year. And then that Monday nighter uh, against the the Chiefs before that before you finally got to buy their uh, week six. You, you get this big lead, and they you know they come back and uh, you know the, like the hail mary attempt at the at the end of the game. Renfro and, and Adams run into each other, and you know it's like Keystone Cops. They just fall to the ground as the ball falls innocently to the ground uh, and everything. I mean, take me through the first five weeks. I mean, it just, I mean, just a roller coaster in the first five weeks and we still got 12 games left to go. Yeah, it was tough because you remember the Raiders uh, the year before with the John Gruden disaster and controversy and all that, 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 that problem with what happened there. And then of course, like you said, Rich Passaccia steps in, does a good job of keeping that team together. They go on a five game win streak and they, they make the playoffs, and then they come out here to Cincinnati uh, and really should have won that game. Yes, there were a couple bad calls, but at the end of the day, uh, Derek Carr drove the team down, had an opportunity to try to, to, try to win that game, and couldn't do it. Uh, and so, so the season ended well, but that first five weeks going into last season, Raider Nation was excited because they were coming off a playoff appearance, the first one they had had since 2016, by the way. Mm-hmm. So they were excited because they said, hey, we got better, we got – Devontae Adams. But when we were looking at it, we were we we also overestimated the entire division, like you talked about. We remember the entire media world did because they said the AFC West is going to be the best division in football. Look yeah. what you got there. So the expectations were high. 
Raider Nation and Raiders fans are, are used to expectations being high and then their team falling flat. So they're used to it. They kind of expect that other shoe to drop. But we went into it and said, hey, this should be a 10-win team perhaps, mm-hmm. even in a competitive division. Uh, and then they start the first five weeks. At, and, and, and a lot of the reason was, number one, they did nothing to address their offensive line going into last season. Mm. So they had to put in a bunch of role players like Jermaine Illuminor at right tackle. Now, by the end of the season, he was a very solid player, and the offensive line did well. But early on, it was a disaster. Uh, they didn't address defensive needs that they had. The Raiders' defense has been full of holes for the last three seasons, and uh, they've tried to address it in the past with free agents, and it hasn't worked out. So you go into that, and you see, like the Chiefs game, you mentioned a great example of you get this lead, and then you can't hold it, not only because of the defense, but then you also have offensive issues where Darren Waller couldn't stay on the field. Of course, they traded him to the Giants this past offseason. Right. He couldn't stay on the field. Hunter Renfro eventually got hurt later in the season. But the, 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 the bottom line comes down to as well, which is the love-hate relationship the fan base had with Derek Carr. Outside of the Raider, uh, the Raider world, people look at Derek Carr as a good quarterback, but Raider Nation, half of them wanted him gone two years ago because uh, he would always do just enough to put up numbers and get your team in a position, uh, but then when it came to crunch time and having to come from behind or having to sustain a lead – um, he couldn't do it, but not all his fault. Josh McDaniels coming back to head coaching, uh, the first half of the year, uh, Larry was, was not good. I mean, he, mm. he made lots. I called it coaching malpractice because <laughs> his game management, his game management was poor time management was poor. Uh, and, and so there was a mixture there. So you can't blame it all on the players or the lack of talent. Uh, but you certainly could put, press the blame around, and that's what happened. They just could not get out of their own way. They mm-hmm. couldn't figure it out. They couldn't get the pieces to fall into place that, that, that first uh, half of our quarter of the season. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, The ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Right. So, I mean, because I, I just remember, uh, you know, especially after that uh, the collapse in, in Kansas City, 
which was a Monday night game, so the whole country got to watch that one. Uh, the, the rumblings of, you know, it's like, is McDaniels on the hot seat already uh, out there in, in Vegas? And, and, you know, half the country blowing it off as, you know, Raider fans just being just being nuts because Raider fans are nuts and, you know, that kind of thing. And the other one was, like, legitimately, is this is actually this going to be a thing with McDaniels? Will he be one and done in Vegas? They're, they're one and four. And, you know, really, like, four really bad losses, you know, to start off, uh, mm-hmm. you know, his, his second tenure as a head coach that, the you know, as obviously the first one was an even bigger disaster uh, in, in Denver yeah. uh, and everything, you know, all those years ago when he was the young hot coordinator uh, and everything. And he spent like the last, you know, decade and a half trying to get back to this position again, including, you know, at the 11th hour changing his mind about Indianapolis where he could have been the head coach out there and instead decided to go back to New England uh, for a couple more years before finally taking this job out in, uh, in Vegas. And so after the bye week, mm-hmm. talk about a team that needed an early bye. Uh, you know, it's like no one really <laughs> likes an early bye, but when you start, you know, one and four and, and, and the, the, the four losses go the way that they did, you could use a break. You definitely could. You need to break up the monotony uh, and everything. You come back, good win over the Texans, but, you know, everybody beat the Texans uh, last year. But then after that, Another, you know, a trio uh, of, of losses, a shutout loss at New Orleans to the Saints. You lose to the Jaguars in Jacksonville. And then, I mean, the loss to the Colts, which was Jeff Saturday's first game as the interim head coach out there. It's in Vegas. I mean, talk about a game that's set up for you guys to win. And it could not have gone as poorly as it even it couldn't have gone any, any worse than it actually did. Jonathan Taylor's going crazy. Uh, on you guys, Jeff Saturday's mm-hmm. running up and down the sidelines like a maniac because it's going well. His f- first time out, and and you know they're all celebrating because everyone thought the Colts were out of their mother loving minds hiring Saturday off the street <laughs> to be a head coach. And first game, first game out the gate, he beats the Raiders on the road. It's like okay, so what are we actually saying here? Are the you know are the Colts right or the Raiders that bad or or whatever? I mean, it just. That game in particular had to drive Raider fans absolutely insane. Yeah, that, that several-week period, like you said, a couple wins in there. But the problem was, you go back even to the New Orleans game, the New Orleans game and the shutout, the Raiders didn't get past midfield on offense the entire game. Oh. So so here you have this offense that's supposed to be higher power. You have Josh Jacobs, who won the rushing title last year. Yeah, You have Derek Carr. You have Devontae Adams, and they can't get past the 50-yard line. And as you know, the Saints were not the 85 Bears on defense last year, okay? They were not. So it it was not something that you expected them to have a tough game. You know, there's no easy wins in the NFL, but they should have have been in a position to win the game. They couldn't get the ball past the midfield. Then, yeah, the Jeff Saturday disaster in Las Vegas happens at home. And, 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 and again, there was coaching issues there too. Josh McDaniels, the play call, what he was doing and, and how he ran that game was pretty deplorable. And I think fans were seeing it. And I think that the, the Indianapolis game was actually a turning point for fans. Cause they said, okay, he's in his first year. I get that, whatever. But, but after that game, we saw a lot of people jump off that bandwagon, the head coach bandwagon, and they're still off to this day. They're, they're still not convinced that he's the right answer there. And so, so yeah, you go through that period, and they, they just could not put anything together. Outside of that, that, like I said, that win streak at the end of 2021, the Raiders, the win two, lose two. Win, win one, lose two. And, and there's never been an opportunity where they haven't been able to string together a streak, which, you know, in the NFL, you got to be able to do. You're going to have struggles. You have injuries. It's a game of attrition. But they just could not do it. And that Indianapolis game – last year, I think, took a lot of wind out of the sails. I think a lot of the players, frankly, on that team started to have doubts after that point because you had, excuse me, you had emotional reactions from players uh, after the games and outbursts and things like that. Some reported, some not. And so uh, it seemed to be a turning point. And then at that point, I think that's when also, uh, especially after the New Orleans game, which is ironic because now Derek Carr is in New Orleans, Mm. I think that if you listen to what the team brass has said, that's when they started to have doubts about their quarterback as well. Wow. So, speaking of streaks, after that loss to the Colts, the Raiders actually go on one and, and, a, and, yes. a, and a winning streak, finally. They, they get an overtime win 
over the Broncos on the road in Denver and then backed that up with a, an overtime walk-off Josh Jacobs touchdown to beat the, 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 the Seahawks, who were red hot at the time. Yeah. And then a win over the Chargers, you know, uh, this time in Vegas, finally getting the home fans uh, a win there, <laughs> at, you know, to 27-20. But then the Thursday nighter against the Rams – they, they they do the most Raiders thing ever by letting Baker Mayfield, who the Rams literally signed off the street that week, to come in and engineer a comeback victory uh, over over the over the Raiders there, uh, you know, in, in on Thursday Night Football to snap the streak and give the Raiders a loss they, that they had no business losing. That's right, and that and that's what Raider fans will tell you, Larry, is that. This is what the Raiders do to them: is they'll win two in a row, and you start to believe, and then they'll go out and they'll lay an egg. Uh, like you saw against Baker Mayfield, and and that's that's been the problem. That's been the problem with the team uh, over several years, and last year in particular, which was they just could not get some consistency. So you start to look at that and you say, okay, you can see where there's a talent deficiency, and if a team beats you because of that, okay, you understand that. But the Raider defense, which was not very good, would play good in spots, and actually in that Rams game, put, played really well up until that point, yeah. and then suddenly gave gave up the farm to Baker Mayfield right off the plane, and and suddenly you're just like, you, you don't know what to say because how, how do you answer that? It's like, wait a minute, you you dominate for a lot of the game against a team that you should at that point, and, and, but you can't close it. And that's one of my favorite movies of all time, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Coffee is for Closers, and the Raiders <laughs> could not close. They just could not close. It's been an issue for three-plus seasons, and, and that's why this year they spent a lot of time and draft capital, frankly, in the first round, too, on defense because they just have not been able to stop teams even when they get a lead. And then before a, a three-game losing streak to finish out the year with losses at Pittsburgh, home for San Francisco, an overtime loss there, and then the ring around the rosy loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> you guys have the left field walk-off win of all time with the uh, Jacoby Myers uh, you know, mishap where, you know, they're yep. trying to do the, the – the, it's a tie ball game. They're trying to do that thing where they're keeping the ball alive, trying to get it downfield. Jacoby Myers, for some reason, tries to throw it 30 yards back to Mac Jones. It's picked off by Chandler Jones, who spikes, who spikes Mac Jones into the turf and then runs it in for a walk-off touchdown. It's like nobody can believe what just happened, but the Raiders just won their fourth game in five weeks. And McDaniel's beats Belichick head to head. Yeah, it was a crazy game, and um, it, it, ironically, Jacoby Myers now a Las Vegas Raider. Right. Um, so <laughs> go figure. Uh, they figure, hey, you, you helped us win a game, you might as well come join us. Sure. So so yeah, and that that's the thing. It, it was so frustrating for fans as we heard them, and and we do a mailbag segment on our show every week, and and one of the things that people were telling us is that's what would drive them crazy is you would get hope, you would see this team perform. But the Pittsburgh game particularly um, was, I think, was, was significant for the franchise because that was, that was the end of the Derek Carr era. Uh, he had a terrible game, and, of course, he was benched the final three games of the season. He chose to go away from the team for the final three games, so he didn't even stick around. Mm-hmm. And they turned to Jarrett Stidham, who has the great game against San Francisco. But once again, the Raiders can't close out. They just can't close it out. And then the, the, the final game of the season against the Chiefs, everybody knew how that was going to go because everybody was pretty much checked out at that point. Right. And I think that's, that's where you leave it in a, in a season that was supposed to be, at the very least, a good season, right? Maybe they're not going to win a Super Bowl, but you expect them to be in contention for the playoffs at the very least, maybe a wild card spot. And they were nowhere near that because they just could not put together a cohesive game plan every week that led to a winning formula. Yeah, and, uh, you know, so the Raiders elect to hang on to McDaniels, which I'm sure, like, as you mentioned a moment ago, not a popular decision among the fan base after the way the year went. Um, but we so we go into the free agency period, and it is a laundry list of names that you guys brought in. Now, I mean, Derek Carr was, was let go. Uh, Jared Stidham that you just mentioned, he's off to Denver. Rocky Sin is in Baltimore. Uh, thank you very much for Andrew Billings. We'll see how that works out for us uh, in Chicago. Uh, Matt Collins is in Atlanta. Cleveland Farrell, the number, uh, number four overall pick in the draft, now signing with San Francisco 49ers, you know, Sidney Jones in Cincinnati and, and so on. 
to go along with, uh, you know, like you said, Jacoby Myers brought him in. Uh, Jerry Tillery, uh, he was a re-sign, uh, though. Uh, Brian Hoyer reunited with uh, Josh McDaniels to be the backup. Uh, you replace uh, Waller with, with the, uh, Austin Hooper. Um, DeAndre Carter coming in to be your kick returner. Alex Barr, that's another former Bear you guys got there. You bring in O.J. Howard, so you doubled up on the tight ends. Philip Dorsett from the, the Texans. And then Jimmy Garoppolo uh, bringing him <laughs> in. And, you know, the, what we've learned since the, the signing, like the, the, the press conference for the signing was postponed. Then they have the press conference. They bring him in, and we find out later it was postponed because he failed his physical and so some contract language had to be added that basically if he doesn't pass his physical, the Raiders are on the hook for nothing and Jimmy Garoppolo is a free agent again uh, kind of thing. So, I mean, it's, it, 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 it's you know, how, how did that land when that finally came about? Because I know that, you know, probably signing Garoppolo wasn't the, the you know, the biggest deal in the world for, for Raiders fans. But after hearing that, you know, are, are we looking forward to the Jimmy G uh, era, or are we just expecting to pay him $22 million to get hurt again? So when the Raiders signed Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, of course, the fact his injury history was a big deal, but the Raiders, uh, Raiders fans overall looked at it as like a bridge quarterback. That They really thought, and I think a lot, a lot of people thought, the Raiders might make a move for one of the top three quarterbacks in the draft, whether it was Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, of course. And so, so that was some of the thinking. So some people were okay with it, but at the same time, uh, that injury history, absolutely. It's 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 it, when 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 Jimmy Garoppolo plays, there's no question he's a good quarterback. I mean, he went to a Super Bowl, but at the same time, nobody was really excited about it. And again, there is a civil war there has been in Raider Nation around Derek Carr. There's people, nobody's in the middle on Derek Carr. People either loved him to death mm-hmm. or or completely disliked him and thought that the Raiders should have moved on two or three years ago. So. The Garoppolo thing, everybody was concerned about the injury. So then when the addendum issue comes out and we find out about the foot surgery, <clears throat> you know, not surprising if you cover the NFL a lot because a lot of veterans actually have that clause in their contract when they're coming off an injury. But for Raider fans, it was another scary moment because it's like, wait a minute, this guy's already injury prone and we 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 signed him and he's already injured again. And so that's created some concern because – People believe that this team should be better than last year. Uh, although the way we've talked about it on our show is to say, look, it's a mini rebuild. Yes, you have talent on offense, but you needed you needed to rebuild the defense on all levels. And so, so I think that's where it's been at. Is it, it, Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to get people real excited as a, even a rookie would? And a rookie's unproven. But Jimmy Garoppolo is he going to play ten games? Nobody really knows. That's what we have it on our show is the over under is 10 games. And if he only plays 10 games, I find it hard to believe the Raiders will win six again because with Brian Hoyer as your backup. And then of course they drafted Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, He at best, I think will be a career backup in the NFL, but outside of that, that's why the excitement. Now there's excitement because of what's happened on the defense and some of the things they've done there. But overall, it's a very cautious mood because of, the comings and goings on the team, even though you could argue in many spots they've gotten better. Yeah, this is like when I was when I was you know writing down my my notes in in preparation. It's just like the laundry list of people that uh, that Ziegler brought in uh, to the mm-hmm. team. You know, obviously, you know Jimmy Garoppolo being the the headliner as far as names on the list, but uh, you know to to let Darren Waller go and then bring in Austin Hooper and uh, OJ Howard. Uh, you know, bringing in Jacoby Myers, which I'm sure everyone kind of raised an eyebrow when they saw that one. Um, you know, bringing in Brian Hoyer to replace Stidham, so replacing another New England quarterback with another New England quarterback, yeah, and signing a New England quarterback uh, as well, and Jimmy Garoppolo uh, and everything. It's just you know, like you said, mini rebuild, and it basically kind of sounds like a lot of bridge guys. Uh, were brought in, and you know, you guys had a ton of picks uh, in the draft uh, this year. That you know, and and you know, looking at things, it's like probably some of these guys were brought in to be like the future contributors, learning from right. the bridge guys that were signed during the off season. Yeah, I think that's fair, and it's it, it's hard. You bring up the point about the former New England players, obviously with the coach and the GM being from there as well, and it's akin to imagine being a Bears fan and suddenly your whole team 
is, you know, half your team is coming from Green Bay. You know, you wouldn't yeah. be real happy about that. You'd be somewhat suspect because of, of loyalties. But overall, I think that the comings and goings and, and the roster dump that you saw, some of it was justified, no question. Others were, I think, you have to buy into the coach's system and the way Josh McDaniels is running the team, uh, you got to be in on that culture. And I think a lot of those guys were not in on that culture. And so that's why they're gone. And I don't think, I think Josh McDaniels entering the season will be on somewhat of a hot seat. Sure. Uh, but I also think he has some saving graces to, that, that he could see a year three, even if they don't do too well, because if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't work out, he didn't sign him. Now you can argue he had a lot to do with it, but at the end of the day, uh, uh, Dave Ziegler, the GM did that. And so we'll see what happens, but there's definitely a lot of skepticism, but I think for once Raider nation overall understands and saw what happened and they actually uh, are thinking a little more realistically and saying, you know what, if we win four, six games, that could, that's, that could happen. Uh, but at least we'd be at the top of the quarterback lottery next year. Uh, and maybe we could get our future uh, franchise quarterback because the Raiders need to do that. They, they don't have that guy on the roster. Now uh, they weren't able to get a quarterback this year. The price was too high. And so that's where it comes because in the NFL, if you don't have a franchise quarterback, you're in big trouble. Delve into the shadows of the mind with sleeping dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe, now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Right, so we move on uh, to the to the draft, and 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 as you mentioned before, a lot of speculation about the the Raiders being a team that could either sit and wait, you know, have a quarterback land in in their lap, or possibly even make a move to jump up into the top four to to get us, uh, you know, a, a, a Bryce Young or a Stroud or a, or a Will Levis and or a Richardson uh, uh, as well, and instead they stand pat. Uh, at seven, and even with, with Will Levis still on the board because Richardson, mm-hmm. Young, and, and Stroud were gone by then, they go with Tyree Wilson, defensive end out of Texas Tech, to get a bookend to go with Max uh, Crosby. And so you know now you have the you know the two uh, two intense uh, you know pass rushing specialists coming off the edge uh, with the first round pick in the second round. You add to the tight end room again. After bringing in Hooper and, and O.J. Howard, now you go and get Michael Mayer, who many consider to be the best tight end in uh, the draft out of Notre Dame with the second-round pick. Two third-rounders, defensive tackle Brian, Byron Young uh, from Alabama, Trey Tucker, the wide receiver from Cincinnati, who was teammates with our fourth-round pick, uh, Tyler Scott, out there mm-hmm. uh, in Cincinnati. And, um, you know, so that's what, day one, day two, and um, – yeah, how are we feeling so far? Those first four picks coming off the uh, board, Wilson and Mayer being the being the headliners there. 
Well, yeah, I think, I think uh, listen, it's not very often you talk about the second-round pick being more exciting than the first-round pick. Not that Tyree Wilson is a bad pick, but, again, we talk about Garoppolo injury. Tyree Wilson comes out. He has an injury, which is why he felt a lot of people had him early on, had him maybe being one of the first three picks in the draft. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but he's got that injury. So you now have a guy, he's not, he has not been in part of mandatory minicamp, which just wrapped up in Las, Las Vegas last week. Um, and so now you have a guy who will not step into the Raiders facility uh, for any kind of work until training camp at the end of July. Mm. And even then there's no guarantee he'll be ready uh, for camp or for the preseason. They just don't know what that injury. So you look at that and you're a little concerned, although if, when he's on, when he's on his game, he's a good player. And to your point, being on the other opposite side of Max Crosby, the Raiders had so many needs on defense that what they decided to do, instead of going like with Gonzalez out of Oregon, one of the cornerbacks in the draft that were high, what they did was they went to the end instead because they know they're going to have to continue to work at safety, at cornerback. So they went with an edge rusher because, hey, what's the best thing you can do for a cornerback, especially a group that's not the best in the world, is give them a pass rush, right? Yeah. And and especially in the AFC West with the quarterbacks you mentioned earlier, you're going to have to get to the quarterback or you're not going to win any division games. So so I think overall people were happy. Brian Young out of Alabama on the inside I think is a pretty good pick. Um, if he develops, gets a little stronger, I think he has the ability to – to be a rotation guy at the beginning of the season, but he could end up going in there. The middle of the Raider defense has been a problem. They just have not been able to get a push up front. They've had a good, they've had good run stoppers in there. You talked about Jerry Tillery coming over from the Chargers when he was released, but they have not had that big push in the middle. And so they're hoping, I think they can develop young into that as well. So, so you look at the draft uh, overall and it was, I, I would say it's a good solid B or B plus maybe mm-hmm. in some areas. Uh, and and I think Raider fans were disappointed. They wanted a quarterback, or they wanted one of the uh, the, the defensive backs up front there. Uh, but but overall, I think I think they got better on defense. The problem is when you have eight holes to fill and you can only get four guys um, or five guys, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to to improve that defense. But really, they've been a bottom rung defense for several years. So if they could just move up ten or twelve spots at the at the very least. Um, they could they could put into a situation where their offense is good enough if Jimmy Garoppolo's in there that they could start to win some ball games they might not win but it's going to be it's gonna, we won't know till February Larry because some of these young guys you know how it goes uh, you know with the Bears too sometimes it takes guys to develop I mean look at Justin Fields right yeah it takes it takes time and so whether or not they'll develop fast enough to make 2023 a winning season for the Raiders I'm I'm doubtful of that. But I do think if they can see progress and do that, because the problem with the Raiders overall, the reason they're in the place they are is because John Gruden and Mike Mayock could not draft worth a damn. Yeah. They just could not. They hit on a couple players, Josh Jacobs and Max Crosby being those two guys. The rest of them, especially when you look at the number of number one and number two, uh, excuse me, first round and second round draft picks they had, they whiffed on so many guys that, that we'll be talking about it for decades. That's how bad it was. Well, yeah, and, 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 you know, ironically, a lot of those picks came from the Bears via, via the yes. Khalil Mack trade. Yes. Uh, you know, exactly. Josh Jacobs being the one pick in that trade that worked out uh, for you guys because that was our first-round pick that you took Jacobs with in the first round, I believe, in 2019. Um, you know, in, in that draft, that was the Bears pick at 24 that you guys used on, mm-hmm. uh, on him, but it's like everything else – you know, it did not work out. Like you said, Cleveland Farrell, obviously that didn't work out. He's off to San Francisco. He's on his second team uh, already. Um, the the kid from Alabama that killed somebody. Um, oh, yeah, Henry, Henry Ruggs III. Henry Ruggs, yep. there it is. You know, talented, talented speedster. I mean, the Raiders, I don't know what it is about the Raiders and speedy receivers. If there's one on the board, <laughs> they got to take them no matter what. They did drop everything and take the fastest guy uh, on the board. He was fast all right, and um, – you know, he's uh, going to be behind bars for a while because of it. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And that and that dates back to the Al Davis years. Oh, yeah. Al Davis, yeah. if you if you were a spammy, you go back to Cliff Branch, the, the late Hall of Famer, a great wide receiver. Uh, and of course, you go to the running backs to Marcus Allen, all these guys that were 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 old school football because things changed. That's why Al Davis kind of towards the end of his life um, was not the best talent evaluator because the game had changed. The salary cap had changed things a lot. But but overall, yeah, you cannot you cannot draft in the NFL 
like they did and expect to have even a competitive team. And so they're paying the price for that. And I think they have to, this draft has to pan out for them. Uh, it's very big for Josh McDaniels. It's very big for Dave Ziegler if they're going to be around more than three or four years. Anybody in, in the day three portion of the draft, Ja'Korian Bennett, Aiden O'Connell, uh, Christopher Smith, Amari Bernie, Nesty J. Silvera, there's a name for it. Um, anybody <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, in that group that uh, you guys are particularly excited about? Yeah, Ja'Korian Bennett, I think that kid is going to surprise. I think he's going to be the later round gem for the Raiders, uh, and he's going to have an opportunity to play. So, so I think you'll see him come out, and I, he, he's going to he's going to compete for a lot of playing time. Uh, we'll see, obviously, when they put the pads on for real. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a kid that we're real high on, and I think that from a talent evaluation standpoint, it was one of the picks that when you look at all the draft experts, they were really impressed that the Raiders were able to get him where they did. So we move on to the schedule as we start to wrap things up here, and it's the NFC North, obviously, that's why we're talking, and the AFC East. Uh, the two, you know, rotational divisions that are coming uh, onto the schedule uh, this year, and every and the third place finishers in the AFC, which would be the looks like the Colts and mm-hmm. the um, Bill. No, not the Bills. Uh, the Steelers. The Colts and the, the Steelers. Steelers. Yeah, right. and then your your NFC opponent would that be the Giants? Looks like the Giants. Yep. Okay, so that's how the same place opponents are wrapped up for you. So um, an absolute reversal of last year's schedule where you had a week six bye this year. It's week 13. Thoughts <laughs> on the late bye this year? Well, I think for the Raiders, um, it, it, it's, it's going to be okay. They're, they're going to have to put together a back half of the season because I think you look at how their season starts out. Uh, mm. I have them I have them tops winning seven games. That's that's, that's on a positive side. Okay. Could they sneak if things go better than 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 anticipated? Could they could they win eight or nine? Perhaps a lot would have to go right. But but yeah, it's an interesting schedule for them uh, and where they're playing. And they they really what they need to do is they need to also develop a home field advantage. They just don't have it in Las Vegas right, right. now. Uh, well, I mean, the stadium is beautiful. It's a great place. Oh yeah. Uh, we've had a couple games there where there were a lot of visiting fans. I know people always use that as a criticism of Las Vegas, but I'm sitting here watching uh, a recording of the uh, the Stanley Cup Finals in Las Vegas, and you don't see a lot of Florida fans there because uh, Vegas will always support a winner. So if the Raiders can start to put together a nice win streak at home, uh, I think tickets for visiting fans will be at a at a premium. So. So they need to do that, though, and I think they need to start winning at home. They just haven't been able to do it uh, since 2020 when they moved into Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, and they're going to have a hard time doing that because uh, they don't play at home until week three yes. uh, this year. Yes. You're at Denver, at Buffalo to, to start uh, the season, then home for Sunday night football against the Steelers, then back out on the road for the Chargers. Then you're home for Monday night against the Packers, home for the Patriots, so you do finally get some you know some home traction there you start three out of four on the road then you got three out of four at home before Mm -hmm. two more road games at Chicago at Detroit do you would that be one of those where you guys stay out in the in the Midwest I mean I know Las Vegas is isn't on the absolute coast uh, or anything but Mm -hmm. to go to Chicago then have to go right back around and 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 go to Detroit would would they be staying out there or 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 anything like that I don't know if they will or not. I mean, they, the last time they were on the East Coast um, and were playing at Jacksonville, I think they were at New York the week before, if I recall, or somewhere on the East Coast. And they, they ended up staying down in Florida for the entire week. So they could, mm-hmm. but that's a tough stretch because I obviously think the Bears will be better. And, of course, the Lions are one of the, the kind of rising teams in the NFL. Yeah. And so it's going to be a tough, tough road for them. Uh, and they, they, they traditionally have not had – the the I guess luck of of the schedulers on their side as they usually have had a tough run and this is going to be another one for them and I, and again I think it could be a very rough start to the season for the fact that like you said three of four and what uh, three four or five on the road to start the season yeah. is going to be really tough especially with who they're playing yeah so first four games you got three road games at Denver at Buffalo at the Chargers with the the Steelers there week three at home. Then the next yeah. four games, you got Green Bay and New England at home, then Chicago and Detroit on the road. That Detroit game is a, another Monday nighter. Then the last four games before your week 13 bye, 
you get New York, New York in Vegas, then at Miami, then home for your first game with the Chiefs, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, then the week 13 uh, bye. And, um, you know, three Monday night games on the schedule this year. That's interesting. Um, yeah, the the league likes to uh, put them on national games, and, and obviously when they're at home in Vegas, the Super Bowl is in Vegas coming up this time. Yeah, so um, they're 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 going to showcase the city. I think as many times. Obviously, you usually don't see a six win team on national TV that much, but I think it's all about showcasing Vegas and and giving the Raiders a little nod because they're hosting the game. And then the last five games after the bye, home for the Vikings. Thursday night against the Chargers, also at home, at Kansas City for the third and final Monday night game, at Indianapolis, home for the Broncos. So like the Bears, bookended with a division. Like We start with the Packers, we mm-hmm. finish with the Packers. You guys start at Denver, finish at home uh, with the Broncos. Uh, it's definitely an interesting schedule, especially with the way that the home and away has been parsed out by the league. They, they put your, your home games are in bunches. You... I mean, aside from that first one with the with the the Steelers, like the rest of them are bunched together. I mean, one thing I'm just noticing now as I'm looking at it, the Kansas City game right before the bye week is the first of three games in a row at home. You have yeah. the, you have the Chiefs at home, the bye week, home for Minnesota, home for the Chargers. So it'll be the the better part of a month before the Raiders go on the road again after that uh, Miami game uh, in in November. So yeah, that's interesting. It is interesting. It's 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 uh, sort of uh, it's hard to understand the NFL schedule sometimes because yeah. uh, for for the reasons yeah. you mentioned, uh, and then you have teams like Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh last year played one game out of the Eastern Time Zone. Yeah. So it, it's and I know some of that falls on you, like you said, the divisional rotation and whatnot. But but it's it's sort of strange how I think some of the ownership in the league uh, seems to get more favorable scheduling. Let's say, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I just know, like, when, when the schedule comes out, one of the things that they love to say is how, how many miles each team is going to log yes. in, their, in their roads. And it's like one team is like, yeah, they're going to travel 71,000 miles uh, mm-hmm. this year. And then this team, like the Chiefs, they're going to be like, you know, 8,000 miles or something like that. For, <laughs> they're barely going to leave the central time zone uh, this year, uh, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, interesting how that happens, like, you know, these schedules are computer generated and yet somehow this happens, you know, you know, you hear them talk about it. They do articles every single year about how the, the schedule is done, especially now with, with computers and they spit out a thousand different versions of it. And somehow we landed on the one where this team is going to log, you know, (laughs) 60,000 miles, uh, you know, in the air traveling from one game to the next throughout the season. And yet another one's not even going to crack 10,000. It's like, how is that? How's that it's work? insane. So yeah, it's insane. And and for the Raiders, really, I mean, the bottom line is um, it's going to come down to, and it might be an oversimplification a little bit, but it's going to come down to Jimmy Garoppolo. The Raiders' offense is going. That has the if everybody's clicking, everybody's healthy. The Raiders' offense is pretty good, right? You yeah. think about Devontae Adams. You think about the adding of Michael Mayer at tight end. Josh Jacobs is back. If he does sign his <laughs> his tender for his franchise tag. And then you have Hunter Renfro in the slot, Jacoby Myers. You have a good offensive football team that can put up a lot of points, but they're going to have to because the defense is going to be a work in process and progress. And I just, you know, if anything goes wrong on the offensive side, then the Raiders could be in big trouble and they might be picking uh, uh, top 10 again in the NFL draft next year. Well, you mentioned the offensive line being an issue. And as I look at the free agent additions and, uh, Looking at your draft class, zero offensive linemen drafted and only, what, two signed in free mm-hmm. agency? Both of them are guards. So one of yeah. them was a re-sign in, in Alex Bars. Um, you know, mm-hmm. everyone else is uh, not an offensive lineman. So how's that going to fix itself? Are you, are you getting guys back from injury or something like that? I mean, uh, you know, the, you, you mentioned the offensive line was a problem, and yet I'm not really seeing any addressing of the offensive line. Uh, during the offseason. Yeah, well, well, again, it, it came down to the fact that they had to address the defense. The defense was yeah, a priority. Yeah, sure. the, off, the offensive line came together at the end of the year and actually okay. was, was, was pretty dang good, was in the top 10 of the league last year. If you look at the last 
last half of the season. So they actually gelled together. Um, and, and so they, they, they just believe Larry that they have the guys they need now they need depth. And of course, if you can go out and get a stud on the offensive line, there's just nobody there and they couldn't do it in the draft. So, so they have to go with what they have and they feel pretty good about it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, but they have a black hole at linebacker. To me, that's a bigger problem. So, so you look at the offensive line and if they hold up and they're healthy, and they played like they did towards the end of the season. Are they an all-pro offensive lineman? Offensive offensive line, I should say. No, they're not. But they are serviceable. They're good. They protected the quarterback last year, mm-hmm. uh, which you got to do this year because the guy you have now is even more, is injury prone, where Derek Carr was not. So, so if that comes together, like I said, then the offense will do well enough to carry the rebuilding defense. But if it falters at all, it could get very, very ugly for the Raiders and for Raider Nation. Especially with Jimmy Garoppolo being back there. Yeah, uh, exactly. As well. So uh, real quick, about the draft, you, you mentioned that the, the wish list was kind of, you know, quarterback, maybe corner. Was there a contingent out there that maybe was looking for Jalen Carter for a team that needed help on defense? Uh, there, there there, certainly was. And, and I mean, what, what a great player. But I think the issues off the field, yeah. like so many teams, yeah. got scared away. And remember, the Raiders were one year removed – from losing their coach because of controversy and we're one year removed from Henry Ruggs, unfortunately uh, driving drunk at 150 miles an hour on a side street in Las Vegas and killing a young woman and her dog. So they just were not going to go there no matter if they like them or not. Uh, It just would not have been a good move for where that franchise has been in the last couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what scared off uh, Ryan Poles because talk about a guy Uh that would have been a, a great fit uh, for the Bears, scheme wise, oh, yeah. talent wise, and everything, but the fact that you know, showing up to his, you know, uh, to his pro day, ten pounds overweight, can't finish the workout on top of everything that happened in the off season with the car accidents and uh, and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Hearing, you know, reading articles talking about like, you know, I don't think this kid understands what really happened that night because you're not really getting the thought from people that are interviewing him at like the combine and everything that he's really kind of, you know, accepting the consequences or, you know, or accepting what really happened out there, especially since he survived uh, right. uh, and everything. And it just um, was a giant red flag. And, and even though he was there, the Bears traded out of the spot so that the Eagles could trade up and take him because they didn't want him. So right. we'll see how that all works out. And I hope for Jalen Carter's sake, he proves everybody uh, wrong. Uh, in the end, but it's like, you know, like you said, it's just like this is as much as we could use a guy like that, that is a no-go for our organization. We don't need somebody else like that. Uh, well, yeah, you know. and, and you understand, too, with, with a GM, right, who, yeah. who has to win or their job is in jeopardy. And and the point is, you know, am I going to put my career on? Do I believe enough in the kid that I'm going to put my career on the line and vouch for his character? And I think a lot of teams just say, you know what, I'm not willing to do that. Um, and clearly Philadelphia in a much different spot, just coming off appearing in the Super Bowl, they were comfortable doing it and 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 they're loaded up front anyway, right? Yeah. So if it doesn't work out or something happens, that would that would stink for them, but at the same time they could absorb it where where the Bears, the Raiders, they just weren't willing to do it. Yeah, I mean the, the Bears and the Raiders are trying to rebuild their culture and yes. don't exactly have the things in place that Philadelphia does where they have that mixture of, of veterans and leaders on the defensive side that can, you know, take this kid under their wing and, and put him on the right ways. Like Jalen Carter would come in and, and be expected to be somewhat of a leader uh, in the current culture that the Bears have. And, you know, they just feel like he's not equipped to do that. Uh, exactly. Right now. So that's why he was, uh, that's why the Bears passed on him uh, and everything. So, yeah. So yeah, so you say about seven games maybe is the is is that the floor or the ceiling for the Raiders this year? I, I think that's the ceiling. Okay. Uh, I really do. And and again, the NFL is a weird place. Injuries, other teams have injuries. Could could they end up winning eight games, maybe nine games? If everything went perfect, I think nine games would be a dream ceiling. But I really think that the Raiders are looking at um, maybe a one game improvement over what they were last year, which was a six win team. All right. So, uh, Scott, this has been great. Thanks so much uh, for coming on, man. We look forward to having you back on to preview week seven when uh, when the Raiders come to town to take on my beloved uh, Chicago Bears. Uh, but in the in the meantime, um, 
you know, check out this guy's Twitter bio. He's got about 30, you know, uh, you know, pans on the fryer there. Uh, let's take us, take us through some of those things. What, what you got going on these days? Well, besides silver and black today, uh, um, our podcast, I also, uh, still contribute, uh, when I sold my site, my silver today.com to, to, uh, to sportsnot.com, which is a, a, one of the fastest growing sports sites in the country. I still write there. So I still contribute there. A proud member of the Pro Football Writers of America. Nice. Also, I have a I have a music podcast which I do during the summer. It's a seasonal podcast. Yeah. Uh, called Rock Mysteries, where I I look at very uh, unusual and mysterious circumstances around the deaths of uh, famous musicians. Uh, oh. And so we have our second season of that coming out uh, here pretty shortly. And then I also do some writing about my uh, about fatherhood uh, i'm a father of five kids wow. uh, for a site called all pro dad which is partly owned by tony dungy nice. and so so yeah so I, I i'm somebody who doesn't like to be idle and uh so i keep myself busy doing all those great things indeed indeed um any kiss rock mysteries you guys might be working on i've been a kiss fan my entire life so have I. It was the first concert I ever saw. My dad took me to see. So, nice. so you and I are, are in on that. Not No mystery there, but I do have one. I'm going to start doing a little bit. I've done with all these deaths, right? Sure. But there are other, there are other rock mysteries that aren't deaths. Uh, one of them, which is good, a good friend of mine is a, a real well-known author who's written a couple books on music, one around uh, the great one of my other favorite bands, along with Kiss, which is Van Halen. Nice. And the Van Halen mystery we're going to do this season is: Was David Lee Roth the first time? Was he fired or did he quit? Right. So we're gonna. That's one of the mysteries we're gonna solve uh, there as well. So so yeah, no kiss, but uh, but stay tuned. We'll have some really good ones. The first season we had a great one on the death of Bon Scott, the first singer of okay. ACDC, yeah. as well as some other good stuff. So uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm a big music guy. I love music. Yeah. So this gives me a little opportunity to, to explore that world. Awesome. What tour was the, was the kiss show? <clears throat> it would have been, um, 77. Oh, wow. So, so a lo- that I love gun been alive just, too. Love gun. Yeah. yeah. Right. Nice. Yeah. Nice. The, uh, Absolutely. The, the glowing steps. Now yeah. I've I've seen them I'm like you have probably I've seen them fourteen times since but yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> including I've, the no makeup and then back to the makeup the first farewell tour you name it yeah yeah I um I had Kyle Brandt on the show in in 2019 wow. right as the end of the road tour was kicking off you uh-huh. know and and it's still going on thanks to like like a two year hiatus because of COVID uh, and everything they're finally wrapping up and I do have my tickets for uh, November 27th in Chicago the last one they're going to be doing or so they say anyway nice but, um, nice kyle kind of you know knocked me off kilter when he came on the show and he's like i'm excited to be here uh you know not just to talk about the bears but also i've never met anyone who's been to 19 kiss concerts so <laughs> it's like well somebody That's did awesome. his homework welcome to the show you know uh kind That's of thing awesome. so yeah it was uh yeah I've, I've seen them quite a few starting with crazy nights i didn't miss a tour until they went on tour with Def Leppard in 2014, which uh-huh. would have been high on the list for you know for pairings that I would have wanted to see for one reason or another, didn't make it out uh, to that one. So, um, but yeah, I, I saw them twice on the end of the road, uh, and I'm like I said, I'm seeing them again one last time in uh, in Chicago weekend of uh, Thanksgiving. So yeah, I saw them it. a couple times when they did their little residency in Vegas at a nice. very small venue, yeah. and it was phenomenal to see it in a small venue and. Paul Stanley flying over you to the back of the venue. It was yeah. it was fantastic, especially guys their age now. It's pretty incredible what they're able to still do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're uh, they're all in their seventies now. Yes, seventies so, exactly. Amazing, amazing. And Paul Stanley's still running around without a shirt on. Uh, kind of <laughs> no modesty there. So, all right, uh, Scott. Thanks so much, man. Like I said, we will uh, we will welcome you back uh, week seven to uh, preview that matchup. See how the first six weeks have gone for our uh, uh, respective teams, and uh, we look forward to talking to you then. Absolutely, and I'm hoping I'm going to be at the, the Bears game up there. Oh, so nice. hopefully we can get together and uh, sit down and, and have an Italian beef wet. There you go. Because that's what I, that's what I love, and I, I, hate, I miss it. Uh, and then when there, I'll be the guy leaving town with a truck full of Vienna hot dogs and yeah. uh, relish everything sweet peppers to bring back home because i can't get them here <laughs> yeah whenever my dad goes down south which he's actually doing at the end of this month he has to take you know uh he has to take beef and and rolls down there and jardinier peppers 
He has to take Jardinier yes, down there. Jardinier, uh, baby, you got well. it. It's like, and if he does, if he comes in empty-handed, they just turn. It's like, I don't even know why you're here. Turn around and go back and get it, and then you can come back. <laughs> it's like, don't bother coming back without the Jardinieres. So I love it. I yeah. love it. So <laughs> look forward to that, Scott. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thank you for having me, Larry, and we'll talk to you real soon, buddy. So there you have it, guys, the preview for our 2023 Las Vegas Raiders. want to thank Scott for being on the show. Looking forward to uh, having him back on to preview the Bears and the Raiders in Chicago week number seven. Uh, and uh, seeing where we are at that point in the season should be interesting for both of these teams. And, uh, you know. It's like they start with, with, like I said before, they start with three out of four on the road, and then they've got three out of four uh, at home and, 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 and everything, you know. And, uh, you know, coming to Chicago week seven, we'll see how, the, uh, see how they land the plane coming in uh, to Soldier Field. The last time they came to Soldier Field uh, was John Fox's first win as head coach uh, of the Bears. So it's been a while uh, since the Raiders have come to town. So, uh We'll see how that all uh, how that all works out as we close the book on the Las Vegas Raiders. We we move on ahead to the Los Angeles Chargers uh, coming up on what Thursday? Yeah, I'm just trying to get my trying to get my schedule right. Uh, next Thursday or, or this coming Thursday, I should say. Uh, David Drogemeyer from the Locked On Chargers uh, podcast will be joining us to preview the 2023, uh, you know, L.A. Chargers. And it's such an interesting division the AFC West turned out to be. I mean, we here we are thought we're thinking that the division in 2022 was going to be the Wild West. With the addition of Russell Wilson, it was just going to be quarterback central uh, out there. And you had three disappointing teams, despite the Chargers finishing, you know, 10-7, and seven, making the playoffs and everything, the only team that lived up to actual potential and doing something substantial was the Chiefs. The other three teams were a disappointment in one way uh, or another. And we'll, we'll talk to David about the Chargers and, and how their season uh, turned out and, um, you know, uh, dig into what, uh, what was in 2022 and what could be in 2023. So come back on Thursday. We'll preview those L.A. Chargers. And until then... My name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.